Welcome, listeners, to the first episode of Dear Dead People. I'm Yvonne Liu. And I'm Emily Lohman. This podcast is about the many failures of history and how those failures affect the people of today. Directed, produced, and written by Gen Z across the world. Agriculture has been around for thousands of years, and I think it's fair to say that some things have changed. Just a little bit, you know? Okay, a lot has changed. But at the same time, there are some patterns that have repeated themselves and may continue in our future. Today's episode will cover the start of agriculture, the development of GMOs, and how those developments impact our lives today. Cue the intro music. So, in 10,000 BCE, societies were starting to switch from hunting and gathering to agriculture. Um, The mainstream nomadic lifestyle uh, came to an end. Settlements were being put down and developed. So the food supply was becoming more stabilized. People now had more time to organize themselves. And in correlation, population started to rise. And we get the beginning of modern day civilizations. And with that, we have people starting to develop um, their own crafts. So we get the first invention, the wheel. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we get other things, simple things such as like polishing stones to make jewelry and using geometric shapes to decorate pottery, which is really advanced in terms of what they were doing before. Right. So um, interactions between different societies became more prevalent. Trading developed between the different towns um, as more towns were established. Um, Traders would travel um, for miles to get to um, other places where they would trade their spices and their textiles and precious metals. Um, Skilled craftsmen would even sometimes go with traders to, if they wanted to sell their own stuff personally, because a craftsman wasn't likely to just like, oh, hey, I'll give you all of my stuff if you bring me back money. You right. know, like money wasn't established. Right. So anyone who wa- who had a craft would have gone with the trader to sell their things to different people. Right. And then the development of this agricultural sort of permanent establishment led to many different consequences for the people. Right. So... Um, in the article that was written by Dennis, um, he said, by radically changing the way we acquire our food, the development of agriculture has condemned, condemned us to live worse than ever before. Not only that, agriculture has led to the first significant instances of large scale war, inequality, poverty, crime, famine, and human induced climate change, as well as mass extinction. Yeah. There has been a lot of historical discussion recently about agriculture being quite possibly the biggest mistake mm-hmm. in our lives as a as the human race. Right. Um, and that point was actually originated by historian Jared Diamond in his uh, book Guns, Germs, and Steel. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And um, research shows that the height of the average human actually showed a pronounced decrease. Men in the Stone Age that were 5'9", and women were 5'5", five five, and men in the New Stone Age after agriculture were 5'3", and women were 5'5". Five five, so. Right. Yeah, that probably has a lot to do with um, the type of work. Women would most likely have been doing very similar things to what they were before, but men would not have. So, um, 
agriculture really deteriorated human health. Right. So there was a 50% increase in enamel defects um, that were found in ancient maize farmers. Um, there was porotic hyperostis caused by um, iron deficiency. That's iron deficiency. Right. So um, the life expectancy of people lowered from 26 to 19. Like, that's a seven-year difference. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that people were only living to the age of 26. And so it makes sense, like, society-wise, mm -hmm. that people would have had children really, really young and everything. But, like, for seven years of a, your already extremely short lifetime, like, that's like a 25% decrease of their original life like that's huge imagine saying oh instead you you're not gonna live to 80 years old anymore you're gonna live to 55 <laughs> like that that would be kind of scary honestly i don't know it did would they notice I, i'm sure they did i mean when we go when we look at the diets of hunter gatherers and the new diets of what people were eating when there was agriculture we are seeing a lot less vitamins mm -hmm. Uh, specifically because when you're doing agriculture, you're growing one product mm -hmm. in a large quantity. And when you're a hunter-gatherer, you're usually picking up lots of different things. And that's probably why there wasn't as much variety in people's diets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And besides from these health and... Um, these health effects... These... I don't know. <laughs> defects? The health <laughs> issues these that These health arose. effects of agriculture... Agriculture actually had a lot of impact on society in general. Um, one of the biggest points that Diamond made in his article was that uh, agriculture started the idea of social class and mm -hmm. social hierarchy. The rich would take advantage of the poor. The mm -hmm. farmers with uh, the most food would um, set themselves apart of the poor. And then we can see that reflected in today while third world countries produce our food, rich countries like the United States benefit out of them. Mm -hmm. That social hierarchy that agriculture created with such large disparities between the rich and the poor and the immersion of uh, powerful figures based off of the money they had acquired and the wealth they had in their food, it had a lot a lot of negative impacts on women so uh diamond brought up um women in agricultural societies were sometimes made beasts of burden so this meant that the women were not expected to do the farming instead they were expected to care for the homes and the towns and the other women and the other children right and we see that still today like that's still an extremely prevalent um societal norm mm -hmm. is you see women who ex expect like it's an expectation on women that you will take care of your children that you take care of the home right that you provide for the you husband cook and, and the you clean yeah. and he goes to work mm -hmm. and it's like you know they women were expected to produce sons so that the sons would work in the farms right and that became sort of a women stopped being people and, and started, started being producers of offspring. Mm -hmm. And girls, little girls, stopped being people and started being useless children. Mm -hmm. And that 
shift really determined societal norms for ever since then like since now it's since it's now. been that uh gender expectation of women mm-hmm. that has been reflected back from that the right. beginning of agriculture like that's 10,000 years ago mm-hmm. that we still see today like extremely today like how crazy is that someone decided oh hey I'll plant this I'll plant this plant here and now women are treated as if they're <laughs> I mean come on it come is on. crazy it is crazy <laughs> it is crazy so has agriculture done more harm than good? And are the benefits worth the consequences? So, the agriculture has basically led to gender roles, toxic mm-hmm. gender roles, mm-hmm. uh, overpopulation, mm-hmm. um, the creation of social hierarchy, mm-hmm. you know, divide between the rich and the poor spread of disease, mm-hmm. health defects. Mm-hmm. From what I'm hearing from Diamond, it's done pretty bad. Yes. What do you think agriculture has done that has actually been good? Okay, so agriculture gave the opportunity for invention and engineering right. and art. Mm-hmm. Now you have to weigh what you think because... It's not like people beforehand were suffering. It was just how they lived. Mm-hmm. It's not like any nomadic tribes that exist today are having a hard time. Right. Or that their quality of life is less than ours. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Right. For them, they still see the world as their world. It's not like they, oh, they wish that they could have done something different or that they could have been born in a different um, society. It's just theirs. And, you know, art and invention has a huge presence in our culture today. It's got a huge impact. There's a lot of great things that come out of it. But, you know, with the amount of negative things that happen and the amount of detractions that come from agriculture, is it really worth it? You know, when... Like, I feel like your quality of life decreases more with the societal effects than it does with the increase of art invention. Like, I feel like a lot of people think that they couldn't live without the technology today. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, oh, if we didn't have this and this and this, right. then I would be out of luck. But if you were born into that society you wouldn't you wouldn't notice. even know you wouldn't notice mm-hmm. you would just be living and not to mention there would be a lot less people mm-hmm. so it really just depends on what you weigh as more important mm-hmm. so would you rather have you know um no gender roles or social hierarchy or would you rather have no agriculture and right. live that nomadic hunter-gather lifestyle mm-hmm I personally think I would live without it. I you would live, live without, without it? it? I think I would. Because I don't think I would have noticed a difference. If I had grown up and been accustomed mm-hmm. to that life, Yeah. I don't think I would feel worse in that life than I do in this one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in most ways I would probably feel better mm-hmm. if I, as a woman, wasn't expected to do 
to fit into norms and if I wasn't struggling against the natural, I say natural, the societal push right. for women to be homebodies. Mm-hmm. Homebodies? Well, yeah. yeah. I think that I would personally live a much more satisfactory life not having to push back against the society, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Like if our society just included me mm-hmm. just regularly... And I didn't have to think, oh, no, I don't like that, so I'm going to do this, but nobody wants me to do this, so I'm going to have to fight for it. Like, I think I would personally prefer to have had agriculture never happen. Personally, since I've never experienced life without agriculture, Mm -hmm. I feel it more safe to say, I'm more inclined to say that I'd rather have agriculture, mm-hmm. mainly because I really hate the indoors. <laughs> and the outdoors, I mean. I really do. I hate the outdoors. I don't want to live in the wild. <laughs> but that's only because my, the, the social stru- construct we call, you know, like invention and progress and everything <laughs> has manufactured me to be, you know, in- inclined to choose this option because, you know, I like air conditioning mm. and technology. <laughs> I like to be able to record my own podcast and share it with all of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And agriculture has also continued in its development to the point where genetically modified organizations were introduced, which... Organisms. Organisms. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, Which is an advanced method of conventional breeding. So the idea of GMOs has actually been around since the beginning of farming. Farmers would crossbreed plants to get their preferred settings uh, in order to increase their... um, ability to farm around 1940 plant breeding scientists use chemicals and radiation to alter the dna of organisms and i feel like this is where we start getting real real science right. with our crossbreeding right mm-hmm. gmos the term gmo was coined around this time but like i feel like a lot of people think that gmos are always chemical and always um, scientifically induced but GMOs could literally just be you pick the tallest and the strongest of your crop and you, and breed, you breed those, those ones. Yes. That's a GMO. Because, mm-hmm. like, you talk about corn from the beginning of farming. It was like, tiny. And corn now. Yeah. Completely different. Completely different. And they didn't do anything mm-hmm. to it um, in its DNA, you know? Yeah. Like, so um, in 1973, genetic engineering it had a huge breakthrough. So... Biochemist Herbert Boyer and Stanley Cohen genetically altered a bacteria's DNA by using a separate bacteria to insert its DNA into another organism. So, like, there was one bacteria and then another bacteria that basically carried it into something else. Right, and this is the point in time where we're starting to see um, real innovation in agricultural technology, mm-hmm. especially with crossbreeding plants and altering their DNA sequences. Mm-hmm. And then in 1982, insulin became the first GMO product to be used on consumers with diabetes. And we actually, that's one of the v- good things about GMOs is that they actually can provide medical benefits. Ben- benefits, right. Uh, right now, there are a lot of people that, in the world that are diabetic and mm-hmm. insulin is actually pretty hard to come by now because right. of the healthcare system. Right. That's for another That's a episode. different conversation. <laughs> yeah. So we get to 1987 and we get the first grand scale experiment of GMOs on food crops. Uh, we get Calgen's uh, tomato 
that was genetically modified to increase its firmness, and that tomato became the first GMO's crop to be endorsed as a commercial product. So now we're seeing it entered in the mainstream and marketed as a GMO product, which right, is right. very, um, very important because the lot of a lot of the debate on GMOs right now is if uh, this is in the U.S. Uh, if companies should be required to be labeling their right. food as GMO so mm-hmm. that consumers know that this is a GMO product. Right. So, overall benefits of GMOs. They lower the need for pesticides with um, natural pest repelling things. Right. Um, and crops are more likely to have high yields and are more likely to survive to the harvest time. So, um, drought-resistant plants um, require less upkeep and there's more of them so you could definitely say that by genetically modifying um, plants you have a positive impact on the naturally um, negative impact of agriculture you know right it kind of cancels each other out right Mm -hmm. especially like concerning the environment Mm -hmm. i would say especially with overpopulation everything Mm mm-hmm yeah. With the uh, the ability of GMOs, we're actually able to feed more people. Mm-hmm. And um, that those people were created by the start of agriculture. So <laughs> it, it really goes full circle. <laughs> yeah. But GMOs have raised concerns with the public. I, I mean, if any of you guys turn on the news, sometimes they, they're all like, GMOs, right. are they bad? Are they good? What are they? Yeah. Uh, a lot of that fear is actually because people don't know the science behind it. Mm-hmm. People just know that, hey, this is um, this is not natural. Right. That's the biggest concern I've heard about most people arguing against GMOs. It's not natural. This is not the way uh, food was made to be produced. And also that the use of certain chemicals can be toxic. And there's a lot of uncertainty about long-term effects. Right. I think when... When people get concerned about GMOs, and I think when people want GMOs to be labeled on their food, Mm -hmm. they're not thinking about all the natural crossbreeding of plants, and they're just thinking about the different chemicals that may have been used. Right. So, I think, I think um, one of the most ironic things to say is that you want your food to be natural, because if you want your food to be natural, you need to be a hunter-gatherer. Mm-hmm. That, that there's, there's is no natural. other way, yeah. Nothing else since then has been natural right. at all. Even if uh, someone labels their food as natural, being produced naturally, mm-hmm. it's still gone through hundreds of years of crossbreeding. Exactly. So there's not actually anything that's 100, 100% right. natural, unless you get a time machine and you go back to the beginning of uh, agriculture mm-hmm. before it was started and everyone was still hunter-gatherer. That is the true, like... Um, that's the small corns that people were eating before. That right. was the, the the mushy tomato. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I was talking to my dad, and he said when we were in Africa, they had, they wanted corn. He wanted corn on the cob. Mm-hmm. And so they got corn, but they don't have our commercialized, modified right. corn. Right. They have the short, stubby right. stuff. And he said they boiled it for hours, and it was hard as a rock. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even eat it. Right. So... I think, do you want natural stuff or do you want stuff you can eat? Mm. You know, that's another thing. Like, it may not be in your best interest Mm -hmm. to have the original stuff, you know? A lot of, uh, another good point is that GMOs, there's never been a really 
long continuous study about the effects of GMOs mm. on the human life cycle because we've already been introduced to the food products at such a young age already. Right. So there's not a 100% clean, like, natural study that actually shows you the long-term effects. Mm-hmm. So since the introduction of GMOs, there's certainly been a lot of controversy surrounding its use and its social political impact. The thing about controversial use of GMOs is that it's not just a scientific dilemma anymore. It has become a political and media controversy as well. Right. So, for example, the monarch butterfly controversy. In the summer of 1999, uh, John Losey of Cornell Cornell University published a short lab report in the scientific journal Nature revealing supposedly revealing that a bunch of monarch butterfly larvae died after eating milkweed plants dusted with pollen from genetically modified corn. So this article sparked tons of controversy. Um, they He had scientists disagreeing everywhere and he essentially lost all credibility as a scientist after the release of this article. He was scrutinized in every possible way by literally everyone and even major agribusinesses Mm -hmm. got involved. And so eventually the journal just decided to remove the article Mm -hmm. completely. And what what other scientists found afterwards, especially in the three years following it, Mm -hmm. was that there wasn't any real danger. Mm -hmm. Like... Certainly, it did have a small negative impact on the butterflies, but um, in other studies, like, it was really a negligible impact. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't a big thing, but what happened was that article really fed into people's fears, Mm -hmm. you know? It took everybody's wariness about um, the negative impacts on health, Mm -hmm. and it just kind of, like fan the flames right once there's even a drop of concern about Mm -hmm. the use of gmos often it spreads like wildfire Mm -hmm. in certain communities and then you start hearing people talk about it regularly like they know what they're talking about right and using that as evidence it's like oh this is why gmos are bad Mm -hmm. and it's also really important to point out that this type of research should be condemned really Mm -hmm. um like putting out falsified information is really very it's just very dangerous to certain concepts in general yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the same thing actually happened with the Seralini affair in 2012 when this biochemist Giles Eric Seralini conducted a study analyzing the effects of genetically modified corn on rats which he found relieved higher rates of tumors necrotic bowel and liver congestion in the tested subjects and Seralini published these findings and it receives a lot of mixed reviews. What happened with this one is actually quite a bit worse than what happened with the monarch butterflies. So Seralini essentially falsified the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't even like with the butterflies where the sample size was smaller and extremely specific and Mm -hmm. had no range. It was just like his sample size was small and he knew it was inaccurate and he didn't let any, he, he 
released it to journals under confidentiality agreements where they couldn't talk to any other scientists about it because mm-hmm. he knew immediately, oh, hey, there were about a hundred things wrong with the study he did, and they would, any scientist who knew anything would notice immediately right. that something was off. Mm-hmm. But he released it, and it got published, and everybody who knows nothing about science got a hold of it mm-hmm. and just essentially used it as a polarizing catalyst Mm -hmm. so now we have all these anti-gmo people using his false study as evidence Mm -hmm. to for their claims right and we're 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 looking at like a lot of debates that were being televised about Mm -hmm. gmos using this evidence and that way it was getting into the minds of millions of people Mm -hmm. And that's such a big thing right now with media and information mm-hmm. that once someone says something, it reaches so many people so fast that um, most people, they, they believe it instantly. Mm-hmm. And it's just been feeding into the fear of GMOs. There's also a lot of speculation about um, agribusinesses. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, sort of conspiracies about whether or not they are influencing the tide of the discussion, whether or not they're making polarization worse, whether or not they're tampering with studies. Because, let's be real, if GMOs were harmful, especially ones that are widely used, it'd be really bad on agribusinesses. They would be the first ones to be concerned about that type of thing. Right. Um, And if the more people that are concerned Mm -hmm. about GMOs the harder it is to convince them that it's okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether GMOs or certain GMOs are bad for you and others aren't, you know, because GMOs are just not only chemicals, but natural crossbreeding and um, selective breeding. So it just, it brings a lot of questions into the motives behind people who do the research and the studies who releases it who influences it you know Mm -hmm. so it's just a whole mess we also see it going the other way a lot now um certain stores are marketing themselves as one of those natural we see the big chain earth fair Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest ones that market themselves as only selling natural organic food and Mm -hmm. has no gmos right Um, And that's really taking a hold on people and making them, especially in more um, health concern areas Mm -hmm. like California. Right. And that's practically all they want to eat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are afraid now, Mm -hmm. afraid of GMOs and what they could do. And it's not unfounded. There definitely needs to be more research Mm -hmm. into long-term effects of GMOs. Right. But I think... Another thing is, like, education will sort of eliminate those fears. When you do your research on them and you can say, hey, what might be labeled as a GMO is actually just making this plant use less pesticide, which is going to be better for you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, which ones are you going to be afraid of? Mm -hmm. Which ones are you going to look out for? Which ones do you want studies to be conducted on and i think a lot of people are just they just hear gmos and get scared and don't want to deal with it at all right you know which that's an issue in and of itself you have to work through and research these things to 
understand what it is you want out of the food you eat, you Mm -hmm. know? And most people um, that are anti-GMO, they say, well, why hasn't there been any research on it? And the fact is that GMOs is just really new. It's only been Mm -hmm. like three decades since we started like really doing the modern process of DNA sequencing and everything and altering. And when we're looking at the technology from then till now, it hasn't been possible for us to start having these long-term accurate research studies into like from like the the late 1990s Mm -hmm. and it's quite possible that even if we start now those results will not be as accurate as if you do it a couple times and then we're looking at having these research studies start at childbirth and then going through the gmo process cycle Mm -hmm. to the end of death and that's the average lifespan of humans like 60 plus years Mm -hmm. so who knows how long it is until we actually get good verifiable results right right and most people are reading about GMOs causing death. They might not be so quick to chow down on it. Uh, it's a lot of bad news for major agricultural businesses. But in all seriousness, the socioeconomic and environmental consequences of GMOs that are positive and negative have polarized the topic and made it so hard for everyone to research. Right. There's definitely not a lot of objectivity going on. Honestly, if I were a researcher, and I was told to research GMOs, I would immediately be wary mm-hmm. of anything. So I assume to be in their shoes, mm-hmm. it would be difficult, mm-hmm. to say the least. And it's really terrible for the academic community mm-hmm. to have to go through something like that. Right. Um, research should be objective. There shouldn't be any hidden motive behind it, mm-hmm. especially if you want to produce good quantifiable results. Exactly and not scare people when you're doing the exact opposite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As you guys can see, a lot has changed from the beginning of agriculture. We now have large civilizations, global trade, and GMOs. All All of these things come with their own subsequent issues, and we've got a couple of questions to the ones that started it all. Dear Ancient Farmers, You'll never know it, but you set something into motion that is beyond any of our control. Really, you guys would be so shocked if you could see what science has brought us. You were the start of our civilizations, and we thank you for that. Without you, we'd be living on a day-to-day basis hunting for food. But we wonder, would that be so bad? We are seeing that the world is getting torn apart. Factions are rising here and there. The civilizations you have started have gotten way too power-hungry. The world is in chaos. Your discovery has developed a social hierarchy. The rich get richer and the poor stay poor. We wonder if your sacrifice was worth it. Did you guys have any thoughts of uncertainties? Did you wish to undo your discoveries? If you could see what we are now, what would you say? When you left, the concept of altering organisms stayed. When you invented crossbreeding, we figured we could improve it. Did we go too far? You guys helped set the foundation for humanity's relationship with the earth, giving us the tools and knowledge to bend nature to our will. Now agriculture was the driving force that built your societies from the ground up. And whether we want to admit it or not, we still need it to keep ours going. But the question we need answered is, what is this going to cost us? By artificially selecting plants and introducing genes into the economic gene pool, we are tampering with nature. We have essentially made science work for us, but are there consequences that come with that? Is there a bill that will eventually come due? 
Is it gonna create a socioeconomic gap so large that it splits the world apart? Our technology is an imperfect and new one. To put into perspective, agriculture has been around for thousands of years, and the commercialization of modern GMOs is only about three decades old. On the agricultural timeline, it's practically a fetus. With that said, we simply have not had enough time to really see the possible long-term effects, if any. Of course, we will still continue to improve this field of biotechnology, but what if we discover that what we believe to be groundbreaking innovations aren't as great for us as we thought? I suppose we'll let you know how it goes. Wish us luck. Sincerely, Gen Z. So, it's important to know that this episode is in no way meant to advocate for or against GMOs. We just felt it was really important to present both the positive and negative aspects of it, but at the same time, ask the questions that need to be asked. Since it was conceived, agriculture has developed immensely. It has dramatically affected every human's way of life, and we have no idea where we would be without it. We do need to think about the real effects on the environment and our health, um, whether we like the long-term effects or not. Because at the end of the day, GMOs are not just a matter of science anymore and likely they never were. It's also a matter of money, a matter of power, and a matter of keeping us on top of the world. And we also need to consider that what this means for society on a global scale. Because just as those early civilizations experienced, the rapid growth and economic opportunity behind GMOs has further skewed the world's socioeconomic balance. Anyways, that's just some food for thought. We encourage you to respond to our discussion questions, to share your point of view, and keep the conversation going. This has been Yvonne Liu and Emily Lohman. Join us next time as we explore ancient Babylon and the mighty rule of King Hammurabi with important discussion on the justice system and Black Lives Matter. Featuring our very first guest speaker from a new and upcoming youth magazine called The Forerunner. We want to say thank you to our amazing social media, research, and editing team for helping to put together this episode. Follow us on all platforms at Dear Dead People, the podcast for updates and news. Thanks for listening.